Are you wondering how the PCPS stays afloat? I'll tell you. The answer is with contributions from listeners like you. We depend on your support to pay for recording services, audio software, transcription fees, website hosting, and the hours and hours of research, writing, editing, and engineering that go into producing each show. If you'd like to help us keep doing this job that we love, you can join our crew of supporters over on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and put Pop Culture Preservation Society in the search bubble, and they'll tell you what to do. You can choose the level of support that's right for you, from our superstar level at $5 a month all the way up to our bicentennial level. Yes, you guessed it, at $19.76 a month. In exchange, we'll send you even more PCPS content, after-the-episode conversations, video clips, and even invitations to live virtual events with your hosts. Your support is our accounts payable department, doing all the heavy lifting so we can keep our jobs. We love you guys. Thanks for being here today, and enjoy the show. I swear to God, when I watched my episode... For, so I have not watched this since 1979, and mm-hmm. I told you I got Husker Dude when I f- heard that song, and I couldn't have come up with that song on my own, but I know every single word, and I'm singing along, and they, they end the song with, na, 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 Good night, everybody. <laughs> and I just, like, nipple lightning, total goosebumps. Hello, world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who know that a spritz of sweet honesty makes you feel like a fancy woman. Oh, sorry. <laughs> were you I don't know what were I was remembering doing? how I fancy that felt? I was just laughing. (laughs) Fancy woman. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we are saving the spectacular variety show that helped us differentiate between country and rock and roll and made all of us beg for ice skating lessons. Donnie and Marie. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. It It takes takes two, baby. You guys, I almost can't with this. I feel like listening to this, I feel like (laughs) I'm going to cry. Even us singing it, it makes me feel like I'm going to cry, right? And I know that after 90-something episodes, this I'm going to sound like a broken record. But 1970s Donnie and Marie give me that lumpy feeling, um, that twisty feeling in my tummy, like I'm going to cry. And it's not a bad feeling. It's just melancholic, and it's powerful. It's a powerful oh, feeling. It is so powerful. You know, Donnie was my first crush, so that kind of um, elevates the whole Donnie and Marie mm-hmm. um, act. But when I was doing research for this today's episode and playing it on my record player and just watching that label go around and mm-hmm. around. Go Away Little Girl was a big moment for me because this is pre-Donnie and Marie, right? But it yeah. was my very first dance recital oh. and the teenagers were doing a dance to Go Away Little Girl. And I was just <sighs> transfixed by these teenagers. Were they and like swaying? Go away, totally yeah, swing with their long Marsha Brady hair. Yes. And they had these long bell bottoms on. Oh, oh I love it. It was magic. 
like Carolyn, like like you, I know that we've talked about this before, and I've mentioned it. I think it was on our crushes episode. Um, I told you guys that Donny Osmond <clears throat> was my first crush at age like three or four, and yeah. I'm not lying. Like at three or four, he definitely was big time. But honestly. When they became Donnie and Marie, I crushed on them together. Like, I was enraptured looking at them and listening to their songs. And this is at age five and six. And you guys, Mm -hmm. the album, I'm Leaving It All Up To You, is still an album I own, is still an album I play frequently. This is the one, listeners, with it looks like a locket on the front that's open. Mm -hmm. And it's um, this one is like Donnie is um, in one of the sides of the locket, Marie's in the other. And this is Marie at like age 14 with like her long Mm -hmm. kind of Loretta Lynn, all RIP, hair. And, you know, with the little curls at the top, right? Like yeah. the little tiny curly cues so here. Cute. And I can remember Morning Side of the Mountain and The Umbrella Song <sighs> are two songs on that album that to this day give me the same nipple lightning, the same like make me cry, twisty feeling in my stomach. And I'm not embarrassed to say that I actually have a whole Donnie and Marie playlist on Spotify that I've made myself. And I have a lot of those songs from those old first records on them that I owned at age five. Yes, those songs were magical to me. And I think I have a theory on this. And maybe same with you, Michelle, as to why they are so special to you. Um, because Donnie and Marie were popular at a sweet spot for my sister and myself and oh. our relationship and our siblinghood. She was old enough to kind of know what was going on and kind of fun to play with. And it was before I didn't want to have anything to do with her. And so <laughs> this sibling act lent itself so well to us reenacting the, so- the songs because they each had a part and, you know, I'll sing Donnie's part, I'll sing Marie's part. And so listening to that album again, I was just flooded with the memories. I mean, the umbrella song, we had it choreographed. We had our little umbrellas that we <laughs> yes. would dance, we would use to dance with. And, oh, morning side of the mountain. And you guys, I remembered all the words. I was just yeah. in my bathroom getting ready for our recording, and I was playing that album. And Isn't I was that like, spooky? I know all of the words. It's crazy. So, mm-hmm. It comes right yes. back to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we, you know, this is like, you know, the old cliched um, menopause joke, right? Can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, <laughs> but I can remember. But it's true. It's we true. can remember. Yeah. The, even when, you, know, you don't like, even, and I, I might be skipping ahead here, but when we talk about the, the ending song to the show, I couldn't sing that for you right now. I have no idea how it even goes, but when I heard it, when I was rewatching, I knew every single word, every single word. Right. And it was gone from my memory for almost 50 years. The choreography to the end of um, Country and Rock and Roll, I'll talk about in a minute too. I was like, I know what they're about to do. Jazz square bow. Yep. Yep. I know what they're about to do. I loved it so much that it like, like I said, it's a powerful, I feel like it's a painful memory almost how much Mm -hmm. I loved Donnie and Marie. I had zero crush feelings for Donnie Osmond because that would be gross because he was my brother because I am Marie. I'm oh, the right, Marie character, right, of course, and Donnie is yeah. my brother. So I, I, <laughs> right. that would be disgusting. Of course. Yeah. I can't be in love with him. Right. And we're adversaries. I will right, tell which- you something that's funny about that on that same note. I was watching some old footage of them on um, a talk show. So this is pre-Donnie and Marie show, and they're singing Morning Side of the Mountain. 
And it's about, you know, there was a boy, there was a girl, and, you know, they're going to end up coming together, right? And when they end up at the end, and the both, the the, the way this is shot is with them each in like sil- not silhouettes, but like in their own kind of, like I always call it, the Olin Mills kind of cloud around them. <laughs> you know, he's in one corner, she's in the bottom, you know, corner, the opposite one. And they're singing the whole song, but at the very end, when in the song, the boy and the girl find each other, Donnie and Marie, now the camera's pulled back and it's both of them. And they put their arms around each other and they look at each other and sing and sway. And she, mm-hmm. this is pre-Donnie and Marie, so she's about 15. And I was a little bit like, ew, oh, oh, no, no, yeah. no, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. <laughs> there, there are some lines that are a little fuzzy, that are a little gray. And there are some other areas in the show where that takes place too that I'll get into later. Um, and it never crossed over into making us feel uncomfortable, but we'd be like, Oh, you're almost there. Almost. Nope. Okay, they pulled back. Okay, right. And I don't feel. I don't worry about anything at all. I just think it's um, it's just a misstep. That's all. Yeah, and I don't think I ever um caught on to that. Oh no, when I listened to that song, so it was just again today when I was listening, getting ready, and I was going. Ew, at yeah, the, you're, at you're, the sort, end. Mm-hmm. you're sort of like, mm. like yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work. Like all things, there are certain things that we just didn't perceive of. Um, as you guys know that when I was little, I was like a 35 year old woman. And so <laughs> I knew, I knew that Donnie and Marie was cornball. I knew it was not cool in that sophisticated way, but I also felt very protective of it as if they were my actual relatives <laughs> sort of like i can make fun of my mom but you can't yeah. right mm-hmm. and i will i will show up and i will support them and i will cheer them on every single week because they're nice kids and i like that <laughs> i really like that i also think it's funny that kristen it's so true you've said that before i was a 35 year old woman when i was a child but now <laughs> as a 54 year old woman you are a 10 year old child that's true i'm going right? backwards i'm going you're, backwards you're like benjamin buttoning life benjamin a little button. bit like, i am <laughs> but he lived on the morning side of the mountain And she lived on the twilight side So Donnie and Marie aired Friday nights on ABC from 1976 to May 1979. That's 78 episodes. And man, that is my sweet spot. I'm six years old to 10 years old. So I'm impressionable. And you know, when we talk about crushing on Donnie, I... Just rewatching these, you guys, I'm crushing on them all over again because these are good years for Donny Osmond, right? Oh, yes, no they are. God, he's mm-hmm. cute. He's so mm-hmm. cute. Oh, yes. The so teeth, cute. you guys, I will never I know it's cliche to say that, and I know that that's the big joke and everything, but I, I just can't get over the teeth. Oh, he's so cute. They're so beautiful. It's not just cute, he's charming. Oh, he's so yes. charming. But um, like I said, when I'm watching Donnie and Marie from sixty from nineteen seventy-six to nineteen seventy-nine. I'm crushing on both of them. For also, sure. let's not forget, this yeah. is overlapping my Scott Bayo phase a little bit. So I've moved on, and now it's more like I'm crushing on both of them. But anyway, um, Donnie and Marie were already super popular. Donnie, because, um, well, because he was Donnie Osmond. Um, and Marie, if you remember, was one of the youngest singers to hit number one on the Billboard Country Music Charts with... Ladies? Paper, Paper roses. roses. Paper Beautiful. Roses. Oh, girls. Hey. in 1973 at age 14. That's kind of crazy. crazy. She was kind of pushed into that by mom, Olive. Um, And you guys, you know that Marie's name is really Olive, right? It's Olive Marie Osmond. Um, She's named after mother. (laughs) 
mother and father. Like I said before, they had also already, Donnie and Marie had done a few albums together. I'm leaving it all up to you in 1974 and make the world go away in 1975. Solid albums. Solid albums, everybody. Yes. yes. Seriously. And they're both on Spotify. They were good friends of the Mike Douglas show. It's kind of like the Osmond brothers were on um, Andy Williams. Andy Remember Williams. when they were little boys <laughs> in the late 60s, they were always on his show. Um, Donnie and Marie had been on Mike Douglas several times, but they co-hosted the show for a whole week. And they had such great chemistry and they were so natural that when ABC president Fred Silverman saw them, he offered them their own weekly show, which was then created and produced by Sid and Marty Croft. That's so weird. (laughs) What would our childhoods have been without Sid and Marty Croft, right? That's the truth. They Mm -hmm. touched so many things that we loved. Another thing is, you guys, they are big, like, to still live in these moments. They have a great Instagram. They're always doing Instagram lives. I mean, wouldn't that be fun to get them on the podcast? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like a four-parter because where do you even start and where do you stop? You start with Sigmund. You start with Sigmund. Well, you do, but you've got got all of that, the Saturday morning (laughs) stuff, but you've got the Brady Bunch variety hour. You've got Donnie Mm -hmm. and Marie. I mean, you it's like a nonstop, in Land of the Lost, it's a nonstop ride. So when Donnie and Marie started their show, they were just 18 and 16 years old. Um, At the time, they were the youngest entertainers in TV history to host their own variety show. Can you guys believe that? That is, that's so weird to me because, well, I don't want to tell you what I was doing at 16, but (laughs) when I, when Marie in particular, when I was even just rewatching stuff right now, she also seems like a 35 year old woman to me. Yes. And looks like it. 16 is a child that is a child. Right. And she seemed like a 35 year old woman. In terms of her poise and her yes, movement, great and word, grace, yes. right? Yeah, I mean that's exactly how I feel. Her, even her hairstyle, yes, yeah. the way she carried herself, everything was yes, like that of a thirty-five-year-old woman. I just thought, even watching season one, her hair's a little goofy. You know, she's kind of got that the the giant the poofy back combed mm-hmm. Loretta Lynn hair, like I'm talking about, where it's very. Very poofy on top with the two little curls. Thankfully, and then the flip. Then at the they bottom. gave her. Then f- thankfully, they gave her the kind of, you know, the maybe the it was kind of the blunt bob, but the bangs went like way Victoria sideways. Principle. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Yes. I Very just Victoria feel like. Principle. But even at sixteen and eighteen during season one, they are ridiculously mature and yeah, comfortable, they and they're so engaging um, with the audience, um, and just so natural in front of the camera. They're funny. They're cute. Um, oh, God dang. Donnie is so cute. Like, I know I just said it. You guys, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I still got goosebumps. We're going to give Michelle it. a little moment. Okay, and her hair changes were a big deal. That was news. Yeah. And at oh, the yeah. beginning of each season, she had new hair, and that would be part of the monologue. Like, Donnie, do you notice anything different about me? Donnie? And, yeah. of course, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have any idea. Right. And in season three, she gets the really short cut that looks like mm-hmm. Olivia Newton-John in physical. Yes, and just it does. cute as a button. It's all cute. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the all same cute. opening. Season two, new hair. Season three, new hair. And mm-hmm. let's talk about Marie's new hair. Mm-hmm. And we were. We were talking about her yeah. new hair. Yeah. Yeah. She was fun to watch. Uh, the show was nominated for Emmys in 1978 and in 1979 for Outstanding Art Direction. It was nominated for a Golden Globe in 1977 for Best Television Series, Comedy or Musical. And it won the People's Choice Award in 1979 for Favorite TV Variety Program. I know I would have, I was voting for it in 1970. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't yeah. actually voting, but it was my people's choice in I 1979. I thought for voting, all you had to do was like voice your opinion. Yeah, I like and that it. That was your vote. <laughs> 
I voted for Jimmy Carter in third grade. I voted. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I love the People's Choice Awards. I know. <laughs> it's so lame yeah. now because I think they do still have and it. And apparently, but. and tell me if you're going to be getting into this later, Michelle, but apparently everything was run through this Mormon filter. Mm-mm. And yeah, especially for Marie. It, and it, notice she... We've talked about her clothing being revealing in terms of being tight, like spandex or something like that, but she never showed skin. No. You never, you very rarely saw her chest. So they had their eyes on that show. You couldn't even talk about coffee on the show. Nothing. They said the censors had nothing to do. There was nothing for them to, to be. <laughs> That's right. Or to say, you they can't talk about pee. You can't, you have to say tinkle. There was nothing because they wouldn't be like, you guys can't talk about coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Or Coke. I remember it was always shocking to me. Um, I loved Donny Osmond, but I remember thinking, well, I can never marry him because I couldn't drink Coke. <laughs> oh, God. That is a deal breaker. I'm sorry. It absolutely is a deal breaker. Ask, yeah. But no, that's interesting. But when you know that, then you start looking, then you start analyzing her clothing through that filter. And her, her costuming is stunning. Did she have Bob Mackie also the same as Cher? Her th- the third, that? the season that they moved to um, Utah, they leave LA um, production, you know, doing their production in LA and mm-hmm. move to the Osmond Studios in Utah. And that's when Marie turns 18. And that's when they decide they want to make her more adult-like, like oh. a Mormon Cher, a Mormonized Cher, basically. And okay, that's yeah, where the so Bob Mackie thing Bob Mackie comes in. Yeah. Yes, because she does look like a Mormon share because you don't totally. see any skin at all, but those gowns are just so stunning. Her costumes weren't that tight. Like even if she no, was wearing really leggings, weren't. they really weren't. And she also often wore a lot of blousey tunics with the big sparkly yes, um, tie. with a stripe. Yeah, yeah, but mm-hmm. also with the big like tie belt that kind of hung yep. down low and then the tall boots. So her costumes were fantastic, but they were very – or she wore a lot of long dresses. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, and we can't stop talking about costuming without talking about the pink and purple mm-hmm. chiffon number that was on the cover of the album when she has her Victoria Principal <laughs> hair and was on the dolls. I mean, that's right. just, that's iconic costuming yeah. right there. Pink and purple chiffon. Oh, yeah. Well, and the purple, of course. Let's pause here for a word from our sponsor. That's us, because the Pop Culture Preservation Society is a completely independent and self-sustained project. We not only created this podcast, we also produce it and finance it ourselves. That means we depend on you, our listeners, to help us cover our costs and grow our listening audience. Without your contributions, we quite literally could not exist. We really would disappear like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. You're the gas in our tank, the wind beneath our wings. You're like Christy McNichol doing the obstacle course on Battle of the Network Stars, carrying her team to victory. That's you. You can become a supporter of the PCPS at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Go to the website and search for Pop Culture Preservation Society or look for the Patreon link in our link tree on Instagram. If you support the PCPS at the superstar level, just $5 a month, you'll get fun printable art every month to perk up your office. Join at the solid gold level for bonus content and outtakes from our episodes. And for $19.76 a month, you can achieve bicentennial status, which includes everything you see here, plus live virtual events with your favorite podcast hosts. That's us, I hope. Book clubs, happy hour chats, pop culture bingo games, and maybe even some surprise guests one of these days. And as always, if you're not able to help out at this time, the most valuable thing you can do for us is listen and tell a friend. 
thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk about the guest stars a little bit. This was a very interesting task for me. At first, I was like, what is it going to just be a roll call or something? But it turns out there's some really interesting information here. Um, Part of the reason that it's interesting also is because I could not have told you a single guest star that I remembered from the Donnie and Marie show. Part of that might be that I was singularly focused on them and I didn't really care who was on the show. Um, And there's a really interesting progression from the first season to the last. In the first season, with a few exceptions, the guest stars are extremely old. Like people (laughs) you either didn't know or didn't care about because they were only people that your grandma cared about. It's, it is really quite extreme. People like Edgar Bergen, Milton Berle, Raymond Burr, George Goebel, Jerry Lewis, Jim Neighbors, Roy Clark. It gets better, you guys. Arthur Godfrey, Art, Art Linkletter. Oh, my gosh. Harriet, Harriet Nelson from Ozzie and Harriet. Robert Young, who was the dad from Father's Knows Best. He was on several times. Howdy, Marcus Welby. Oh, yes. Marcus Marcus Welby. Good point. Yes. Okay. So that's only a little bit outdated. He was only 10 years off the air at that point. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, And then someone from My Little Margie. I'm totally serious. It sounds like mother and father were in charge of um, creating the guests. I think that you are correct because I'm trying to figure out what would be the reason for this. Because even even the performers were Chubby Checker, Little Richard, Kate Smith, who was the woman from the 50s. Like who who was very famous for her fifties era rendition of God bless America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, someone only your grandma knows. There were so many people from the fifties and sixties. You would think that this was a show for your grandparents and not for the eleven year olds like us who were sitting on the show. So yes, I think you're right, Michelle. Mother and father may have had something to do with it. This might have been that Mormon filter again because it was applied to everything. Clean, clean, clean. What says clean? more than stars from the 50s. (laughs) It might have been a signal to parents that this was a super clean show for your kids to watch. Mm -hmm. I don't know. How come? But I mean, Donnie and Marie, you can't even get cleaner and more wholesome than uh, than those two. You don't have to do anything more to make it cleaner. Um, But then in season two, they start getting a little more relevant with some appearances by some 70s classics like Charo, Ruth Buzzy, Pinky Tuscadero, appearing as Pinky Tuscadero, not as Rose Kelly. She's on as Pinky Tuscadero. Oh, really? Yes. And the Brady Bunch, twice, including fake Jan. The Brady, and the Brady Bunch is off the air at that point. Right, I was about so to say, we're in 77 now. Out, yeah. Still outdated. Still outdated. But we enjoyed fake Jan and the Brady Bunch. Um, season two is also when we see the only guest stars that I remember from the show. And that is Sonny and Cher. <laughs> I love Sonny and Cher. And Sonny and Cher actually started the show instead of Donnie and Marie. So they start with a musical number. This time, it's Sonny and Cher doing the musical number. And they're doing the hand claps and the choreography and the hip bumps. And then Donnie and Marie come out and they're like, um, um, excuse me, excuse me, we're Donnie and Marie and you're not. Yeah. And then Sonny and Cher, in pure Sonny and Cher fashion, look at each other like, oh, you know, you've got a point there. Okay, bye-bye. And then they just leave the stage, and it's so cute. Then they will go on later to pull them back on stage to tutor them on how to um, zing each other. It's like Sonny and Cher are their big brother and big sister, teaching them how to do a variety show. 
and it's super, super cute. And Donnie and Marie will go on the Sonny and Cher show as well, and they go through the same routine. It's like Sonny and Cher are the elder statesmen, Donnie and Marie are the new people on the block, and they're going to teach them how to do zingers and cut people down. Okay, so then we have season three comes, and yay, they start getting some actual current stars from TV shows, like What's Happening, Three's Company, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, One Day at a Time, Family, Christy McNichol comes on the show, that's a big get, Little House on the Prairie, yes, Melissa Gilbert comes on, we should probably ask her about that. When oh, we let's do, her. oh yes, right? yes. Um, the Hardy Boys, not Joe, sorry, just mm-hmm. Frank Hardy, and Lassie, And by Lassie, I mean the dog. No humans from the show come on. But there seems to be a more concerted effort to appeal to younger people in season three. And this culminates in season four when, boom, Andy Gibb appears several times on the show. And it doesn't get any more appealing to younger people than that. Did you know Marie dated him for a little bit? Well, there's like a little little controversy over are they were they dating or did they they go on a date? Did they go on a date? Was it a publationship? Right? No, we don't. I think she talked about it recently on Watch What's Happening Live because it was Erica. She addressed the Erica Strata and the Andy Gibb dating. Um, They were definitely close. Yeah, that is that is absolutely true. But they weren't Mormon, so that wasn't going to go very far. Good point. Yeah. Paul Lind and Ruth Buzzy were really considered regulars on the mm-hmm. show. And um, as you guys know, I hate Paul Lind. I can't right. stand him. And so I would probably go to the bathroom during those parts of it. Just to even it out, listeners, in case you're like, mm-hmm. what? I love Paul Lind. So we right. – um, 50-50, take a team. Right. And he's classic <laughs> Paul Lind in um, he is, a lot of totally. the sketches. But I did read he didn't really want to do the show. ABC had to um, complete a contract they had with him. So he had to <gasps> – do X amount of hours left oh, under God. his contract with ABC. You're so that's where kidding. they threw him. That's hilarious. It's like it's like you have to go do like public service. You know how like, okay, <laughs> I sentence you to three months of picking up trash on the highway. And for poor Paul Lynn, they're like, you know, we got this contract. I sentence you to 15 appearances on Donnie and Marie. That's exactly And what I it don't was think in- it's a good match. That is not a good match because he is not – they're, maybe they thought they were balancing out the clean, the squeaky clean with his snark, but it just felt awkward to me. He didn't belong on that show. Yeah, he was, I do well, have one so, other. N- none of the, the older people did. One I watched was Abe Vigoda. Right. I mean, yes, none of the, the older hell? people did, no. really, you know. I mean, what are they going to do? It takes two, baby. Yeah. Like, Abe Vigoda's not going to do It Takes Two. I no. have one other person that I need to feel. Sorry, you know, really you quick. He was one of the seven dwarfs in the episode I watched. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, I thought you were telling me that he was like in the Disney movie. Abe Vigoda was no. one of the seven dwarves. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you have to wonder, did Abe Vigoda want to go on Donnie and Marie well, and that, play a dwarf? I was, after watching a couple of episodes, I just missed the variety show. Where right. else is too. Abe Vigoda going to be a dwarf? I know. Well, I mean, and he was with Lola Falana. It? it was Abe Vigoda oh, and Lola Falana. <laughs> Oh, and Potsy and Ralph Mouth, because it was Marie's 18th oh birthday. God. So this was the group. Yes. These were the four guest stars, Anson Williams, Donnie Most, Lola Falana, and Abe Vigoda. <laughs> Where else are you going to get them? But you're right, Carolyn. There is no other context in which you would see all of those people together. And um, this begs the question, can you revive the variety show? And I think Donnie, um, Well, Donnie Osmond doesn't agree. 
Donny Osmond does not think that you can. And he says the reason is back then everybody was really, really invested in simplicity and innocence. And they we watched mm. and that's true. They oh, were nice tro- kids. So and that's why the 35-year-old me was like, yes, we got to support these good kids. He said, now that is not what attracts people. They want salaciousness. They want reality TV and they want something that shocks them. So, And well, he said this in an interview in like 2015. Well, I would like to say, Donnie, we could have a salacious variety show. It doesn't have to be a squeaky <laughs> variety show. I was choked. I mean, you know, because sometimes on Jimmy Fallon, you know, you'll get some star celebrity person mm-hmm. playing a role. And I think that's really fun. So we don't have to make it all squeaky clean. It could have a little bit of uh to it. But just to get somebody like Taylor Swift acting with, I don't know, you know, doing something fun with... Abe Vigoda. Is he <laughs> still alive? Dead or not no, dead? No. Oh, so dead. So dead. Fish died. Oh, okay. Fish yeah. died. Yeah. Okay, there's one other there's one other guest star that I have to bring up to you guys. Because this is just so bizarre. And that is Iron Eyes Cody. Does that mean any mean anything to you? No. No. The looks on your faces are telling me no. I'll just tell you who Iron Eyes Cody is. Iron Eyes Cody is the act- actor famous for playing the native man with the tear rolling down his cheek oh, when no. he sees the people in the station wagon litter out their car yes. windows. That, and they had him on the show. He, uh, as background, he starred in hundreds of movies and TVs. Yeah. Westerns, and TVs, right? Um, TV shows. <laughs> yeah, always, always playing the Native American person, 100% of the time. Okay, number one, he was not Native. He was Italian. What? Though he insisted he was Native American, he even claimed membership in several tribes. But after he died, it was revealed that his parents were from Sicily. Well, he was a Native Sicilian. So, you know, semantics, whatever. And even worse, he, he clung to this identity so hard that he gave the appearance of living as a Native person. By wearing his film wardrobe in his daily life, including a wig with braids. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Yes, the wig with braids. I just got to say, I'm pissed, though. I'm really pissed that he tried to pass himself off as a Native American. Uh Because I believed it. So he was like pulling the wool over my eyes. And I don't like that, people. You you cannot piss me more. I cried with that Indian. I cried. Right? That guy made us all cry. I and he was from Sicily. Yeah. Okay. Let us yeah. move on to more to <laughs> yes. lighter topics. Let's do. Yeah. Um, ironized Cody. So- <laughs> history. History, kids. It's history. Why is he ironized? Anyway. Um, made it up. No, iron, iron eyes. Oh, yeah. Iron eyes. Eyes. Yes, his eyes were made yes. of iron. <laughs> he was, it wasn't a verb. It was ironized. I-R-O-N-I-Z-E-D. I was like, no, did he no. put him through like an iron machine? No. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like oxidized. I was like oxidized, (laughs) ironized. Um, I want to take us now through an episode of Donnie and Marie in detail because Donnie and Marie had pretty much a formula that they adhered to, which was so fun because we all knew what to expect each show. Mm -hmm. Um, So they almost always started with their trademark silhouette opening. And you guys know what I'm talking about. One, One of them is looking sideways with no spotlight in the dark. The other one's all lit. And they're singing directly to the camera. And it's something, usually a cappella. They're staring into your soul. And then 
they're done with their line and they turn. And usually what they've done is it has to be the opening of a jazzy song, but they have to slow it down because once they turn and the other one's in the dark and the other one's spotlit, after they each get one line, man, the camera pulls back, the lights switch on, <laughs> mm-hmm. and bam, it gets Boom. all jazzy. And it's Off like step, touch, step, yeah. touch, spin and snap. <laughs> step, touch, step, touch, spin and clap. And jazz spin. square. Yeah. Jazz square. Okay, here mm-hmm. we go. Listeners, I just want to stop right now. See, they're throwing out these terms, jazz square. I mean, I don't even know what that means. Snap and turn or what I maybe yeah. don't know what that means. So, so many. I but mean, for you guys, the... They were so in sync. They were so together. Their choreography Shockingly is unparalleled. Yes. It's so good. It's like they were the same person. And then it moves right into Donnie welcomes us. So they they after they sing like maybe one verse of the song, they still are doing the step touches with the yeah. snapping. And Donnie welcomes us. Maybe then Marie says, our guests tonight are, and they say their guests. And then Iron it's back Cody. to the, yeah. <laughs> and then it's back <laughs> to the singing. they're doing the snap. Yes. Oh, yeah. The step yeah. touches the whole time. Yeah, I wish you guys could see time. us. See, this is why we need to be on YouTube. <laughs> because right now, if I'm just listening We're to this touching. in my car or on my walk, you should, everybody listening, you should yeah. see all three of us are just getting into it. Um, but then after mm-hmm. they say, welcome, and they say, um, here's our guests, man, it is right back into the chorus of the song, and it's more into step, touch, grapevine, box step, spin, and then it's like jazz hands, maybe, and it's just, <laughs> Carolyn just rolled her eyes. <laughs> Did you guys love that part where they're up on the stage? This is at the very beginning. Oh, they're, they're up, up on high. The stage. They're, they're way up, up high. high. Because they're over, they're looking over like, hmm, I won't even say it. But you, You couldn't wait to see their costumes. What are their costumes Mm going to be this week? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're so good. They're always color coordinated and they're so shiny and sparkly. Donnie always has a really pointy collar. Yes. So great. (laughs) Always. But then, everybody take a deep breath (gasps) because then they sometimes actually say something like, go ice angels. Sometimes they say that, but you guys, this is what six, seven, and eight-year-old Michelle waited for. The Ice Angels come skating out in gorgeous costumes that, of course, coordinate with Donnie and Marie, and they skate, and they twirl on a rink the size of, like, I don't know, a coffee table, but they're, <laughs> like, so skating, and then true. there's an overhead camera, oh, and the Ice Angels get in a circle, part. and their arms and their <laughs> legs are going in and out. You look like you're looking through a kaleidoscope of Ice Angels. Yes, it's amazing, and it's it's stunning. And then Donnie and Marie skate out to join them. That's the best part. They can skate. They could skate. They, they jump out. sometimes. They yes. actually leap and mm-hmm. jump. Where and did they learn stop. to skate? In Utah. I know. Yeah, Utah, obviously. Yeah. Oh, the outdoor rinks. Oh, I suppose. And and my sister. Oh, they twirl. They spin. Oh, they they twirl. Sometimes Donnie does like a pratfall, like he's going to fall, but he doesn't. And he does like, and then remember when Donnie would come out super fast and he'd yes. do that slide that cool stop, stop like the hockey players do that where you go. Yep. And a little ice. See again. We are losing a lot of effectiveness by not being vid- on video right now. Everybody listening, imagine I'm going, and I'm turning my, ow, that just hurt me. I thought you were going to say, we're I'm losing a lot of people sideways. right now. <laughs> well, that too, probably. But I'm turning sideways, and both of my skates are going parallel, and a little a little spray of ice yeah, is Yeah, it's just like right. shaved up yeah, into your screen. That, oh. And that part was, um, the ice skating was one of my favorite parts to recreate with my sister. But we would put our socks yes. on. And the <laughs> only two places in our house that had like tile were our front foyer and our kitchen. And so we would just pretend that we were Donnie and Marie. We'd try to like leap up oh. and then we'd slide on our skates. And oh, we Slash just thought socks. we were like I loved Dorothy it. Hamill or something. 
You guys, we have Sid and Marty Croft to thank for the ice skating oh, thank number. You, They're Sid the ones Marty who Croft. thought that would be a great idea. And I'm sure they also were really pushing for all the costumes as well. Um, so then Donnie and Marie skate forward. They go into their opening chat, which was really just them throwing cute barbs and zingers at each other. And it's a yeah. super fun and adorable um, brother and sister way. And um, you guys, this was intended. So I read that it was Sid and Marty Croft, again, that are responsible for using Donnie and Marie's natural chemistry, applying it to that age-old comedy formula of um, straight man and the dummy, like where Marie is always the wisecracking, spunky, and adorable one who's constantly making Donnie the butt of her corny jokes. Um, but they were great in these roles. Yes, like, they totally They worked. were such good sports about it. They were natural comedians. Donnie was a pro at taking the jokes that were thrown at him at his expense because he would just laugh them off. And Marie was just so funny and cute, and she was slightly devilish mm-hmm. a little bit at the, you know, at the barbs she would give him. And, and he would say, cute, Loved Marie. it. Cute. Yeah. Real cute. cute. Real cute. cute real cute. Okay. And this is the yeah. same formula that was used in Sonny and Cher because Cher was the one who threw the barbs and Sonny was the one who was like, cute, Cher. And so that's why Donnie was like, when Marie starts throwing barbs at him, he's like, hey, Sonny, Sonny, will you come back out here and give me a hand? Can I just say <laughs> something about that? Because I, I never felt bad for Donnie. I always thought that was really cute. I always felt really bad for Sonny. Oh, you when, did? I, I did. Oh. I thought she was mean to him. I really mm. did. I did. Maybe like after the divorce, well, yeah. I, or yeah. I just thought she picked on Back him for being short. And yeah, I that's not fair. He can't help that he's short. But I always thought that the um, Marie and Donnie thing was kind of funny. Yeah, because you take one look at Donnie and you're like, uh, nothing can penetrate fine. this armor of gorgeousness. I always kind of loved how he played the role of being kind of self-involved. Like he played yes, that really well. And he, maybe he really was in real life. I think there's a little touch of truth to that, that he's very a little bit self-important. But um, he, um, I loved it when um, she would get him to smile, that megawatt smile after she'd get like done like a really big put down. And he would just kind of roll his eyes and he'd just go, sing Marie. Yes, right. He would always right. go, sing Marie. So then this little chat ends with them finishing the song that they started mm-hmm. with. It kind of I'm comes full circle. Now, we're the sing. Ice Angels come back out. And now, now at the end, they get to skate with the Ice Angels. And it almost always involved them grabbing hands with the Ice Angels in a giant circle and skating in one big circle. And you guys, I can remember always thinking, trying to see who the Ice Angel was who was holding Donnie's oh. hand and Marie's hand. Cause I was like, they're so lucky. lucky. Which one is it? They're so, can you imagine if you're like, and then, you know, Amber, you're going to grab Donnie's hand when he skates in. Can you imagine how Amber must've felt like, Oh, what? Really? Amber go home and tell her I roommate. It. Today was the day I got to hold Donnie's hand. So great. And I just felt, I mean, I guess that was the, perk for being an ice angel because I kind of felt bad for the ice angels. I thought you didn't grow up thinking I'm going to be an ice angel as an ice skater. You probably wanted to be in the Olympics or, you know. Oh, no, I'm um, taking ice angel. I'm definitely taking ice angel. Yes, for sure. A hundred percent. I'm thinking ice. I'm taking ice angel over a gold medal any day. Screw that gold medal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or or being in like Disney on ice. I'm taking, I want to be an ice angel because don't forget the ice angels always got to come out in the final skit, which we'll talk about in a minute. They were always the ensemble people in oh, the back. that's true. They're all the, they're all the dancers. Plus, they get look to at all the their friends. Um, all their friends they get to skate with. It's so much more fun than the Olympics <laughs> where you're competing against people and you're just by yourself and your mom and your mean coach. That's right. And also you didn't have to be that good of an ice skater. Don't forget, like I said, the rink was like the size of my, you know, coffee table. All you could really do were like crossovers on your skate. And then they always did the kick lines. They did the, you know, the big kick skill. But 
It absolutely does. I'm just, I mean, I couldn't do it, but I'm just saying that probably is something if you're an ice skater, you learn by the time you're like 12. Okay, you guys, do, how you know, many people like out that. there right now were ice angels? They're out there. Let's get them on. They're out there. They're ice angels living. They probably have grandchildren and stuff. Are they listening to us, do you think? I don't know, but I want them to call. 1-800-POP-CULTURE. I want them Pop to call. Culture, if you know an ice angel, you know what? We've actually had... Well, we've had listeners in the past DM us and say like, oh, that's that's so funny you guys mentioned Champions a Love Story because the girl who played the lead is my aunt. Mm -hmm. And we laugh all the time when we watch that movie. And I shared your episode with her and we're like, what? So if your aunt is an ice angel, definitely let us know. Please. Oh. oh my God, I have so many questions for you. And if if your aunt held Donnie's hand, <laughs> I would like to hold her hand. Isn't that funny to think um, about though? Somebody's just like watching TV and they used to be an ice angel. Yeah. Oh man, that's a claim to fame. Mm-hmm. I would put that on my on my <laughs> Okay, so then we break and we go into comedy sketches. Um, and they're always just the greatest costumes. I think Sid and Marty Croft has some influence in how over the top yeah. they kind of went mm-hmm. on these. You know, again, the sets are like kind of cardboard sets, but at the same time, the costumes are all in. It's pretty impressive. And the the sketch always incorporated that week's guest. They're completely corny, mm-hmm. really full of dad jokes. But Donnie and Marie are pretty good actors, um, and they sold it. They were because they were all in, and you could tell they were having a blast with it. So you know, we went back. We talked about this earlier. This is just the kind of pure wholesome variety show comedy. I don't know. It, as a child, I was I was for it. I oh, loved for it. Sure. How oh, about you guys? I did Except too. for Paul Lind. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Lind pro- always did the same. He did the same sketch, which was there's some sort of department, and he's the. He's the person behind this counter at the department, and there's a sign overhead that tells you what the department is, yes. and they just change the sign all the time. So it could be like the um, the gift wrapping department or the um, the unemployment right. department. This goes back to um, we've we've touched on this in in many episodes. Um, some that come to mind are Battle of the Network Stars, Love Boat, where Carolyn especially brings up how exciting it was to be a child and to see all these stars from other shows that you loved and watched coming together. Together, almost like when you see your teacher out of school, right? <laughs> they're coming together, even though it's a corny skit. There is, you know, Parker Stevenson, or there is Andy Gibb, or you know, Abe Vigoda. <laughs> um, but but they're in a costume, a silly costume, and they're not the character that you know them as. But this is what was thrilling about variety shows, and and if, you know the Donnie and Marie. You see these silly sketches, but it's all of these stars like out of school almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes yeah. that was really uncomfortable because you might have somebody from a dramatic show in a comedy sketch and I'm just like, "Oh, be careful. Like I don't want to feel bad for them. <laughs> like I'm sorry, I can't watch the Andy Gibbs sketches. I don't want to." Yeah. I just not that he's it's yeah. not that it's he's not bad, but he's not comfortable and I want people to be comfortable. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Probably I would say the most famous bit of Donnie and Marie was the I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock and roll part, which set up the week's concert spot, which is what they called it, um, that showcased Donnie and Marie singing like a minute or two of two country songs and then two rock and roll songs. And I feel like that's probably when you ask most people so a memory of Donnie and Marie show, the first thing that comes to their mind is, I'm a little bit country, country and I'm a little, little bit, bit rock, rock and roll. roll.
It was so, I, I mean, iconic. And like you said, if you asked anybody, um, what do you remember from the Donnie Marie show, that would be um, what they remembered. They and, would start singing that. I mean, oh, for beyond sure. even like, they would just start singing it if you asked And them. guys, girls, it didn't matter. Yes. Everybody knew it. And I think I've shared this before, but um, I took Andy to a, a sorority party um, when we were in college. And the theme of the party was opposites attract. And I dressed as a little bit country <sighs> and Andy was a little bit rock and roll. And everybody knew who it's, we were. Everybody it's gets It's one it. of the yeah. most brilliant everybody, costume yes. ideas, Carolyn, I've ever yes, heard of. Is. I love it it's so, so, so much. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I was always 100% team rock and roll. Even though I was the Marie character in this scenario, I always thought her songs were a snooze fest. So I was Donnie all the way because I really did think this was a team sport. You had to choose. <laughs> That's how they presented it to us. This I did not it's think true. this was a... You had to choose. It's true. Right. You couldn't like both. It couldn't no. be both and. It had to be either or. It really did. And surprisingly, I was Team Marie all the way because I thought she was so sweet and her, even though her songs, I will agree with you, were a little bit of a snooze fest, I loved to then pretend to be Marie. And that was just easy to just like kind of sway. <laughs> and she always just had the prettiest cuss. And usually by um, country and rock and roll part, they've changed her hair. So usually she has a new hairdo when she comes out. And then do you guys remember, oh, I had forgotten all about this until this past weekend when I was rewatching some, the very end, they get back together and they do it. The very end goes rock and roll. And they're doing this rock and roll. Rock and roll. And then they go, sorry, Mm -hmm. Carolyn, but they do this little cross box step (laughs) and they go, (laughs) boom. And then they, the drop, the drop from the waist bow where just the hands go straight down with the mic and they stay down for like, they stay down for a long time. Could that be our bow, though? Just real quick. When we do take our show on the road, when we all- Oh, absolutely. Because, Carolyn, you said yes. you already know it. So, like, when we finish a song, every song should be the Donnie and Marie country rock and roll ending. da 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 And then we all just drop. Boom. Bow. Boom. Okay, here's the other thing that I wanted to point out, which I didn't, did not pick up on when I was a kid. These songs were not country. No, They're just no. ballads. They're, They're just ballads, ballads. Yeah. But they're not, they're in no way country. And I wish to God I could come up with a single title right now. Maybe I have some in my notes someplace. But I'm like, no, that's not country. No, that's not country. So so when I would play it, I remember in my mind, this is how the song always goes. When he goes, um, and he goes, and I'm a little bit rock and roll, my sister, Marie. And then it goes right into paper roses, paper roses. That's my, so she must have sang it at least once. But I think yeah. they say country and rock and roll because Marie, when Marie Osmond first got her start at age 14 or 13, Paper Roses was considered a country hit. Mm-hmm. And that's actually mm-hmm. the direction they were thinking she was going to go in was country music. Like this is going to be a different Osmond direction. And um, so maybe that's then how I'm a little bit country yeah. came about. Also, it's just a cute idea. It was a cute idea. I mean, and you yeah. can't do, I'm a little bit ballad <laughs> and I'm a little bit faster music, right? You can't, that doesn't work. I want to go back to the duet part because I had some discoveries during the duet part as well that were, again, not something you would perceive as a kid, but as an adult, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And so when when a male performer was the guest, then he would generally duet with Marie. Correct. And now when I'm watching it, it's a little creepy because she's a teenager. She's a teenager. Mm-hmm. It's like Chris Christopherson is this big, hairy 40-year-old, and Rita Coolidge is in the wings. And and they always do – she does this move where she puts an arm around the waist, and then she always puts her hand on, like, right above the belt, which feels 
too intimate Ooh. to me. I don't mm-hmm. like it. And then the worst part is when they always do the from behind, where the man will go behind and put his arms around her waist, and then she turns around and looks oh, up into right, his yeah. eyes and sings. And all I'm thinking is like, Rita Coolidge is in the wings. I'm like, Rita, are you okay with this? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. And you know what? Marie wasn't always either. I mean, I read oh, that no. some of those guest stars were less than appropriate oh, with her. Ew, I mean, she won't sad. say the names, but um, the only person she's called out of all the people is Groucho Marx because he actually <laughs> pinched her. He pinched oh my her God. butt. And, and from stuff. the 50s, I might oh, add. Yeah. From right. the 50s. Yes, that's right. But, he um, pinched yeah, the butt of a teenage some, girl. Yes. That's no. disgusting. And I, I can't believe that the Mormon filter didn't apply here because it's very overt. They're they're singing a love song to each other and there's no personal space between the two of them. And they were so careful about how she was presented to the audience. And that was not Mormony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Mormons would approve. No, it's super cringy. Yeah. Totally. So yeah, then it was then um, then the show was over, and Donnie and Marie, usually still in their costumes from their last sketch, would kind of walk, you know, um, quietly up to the front, and they would sing their beautiful trademark closing song that's so pure, God. written by their brother Alan, and that's "May Tomorrow Be a Perfect Day." We all know it, right? May tomorrow be a perfect day. May you find love. We're going to definitely put that in there. Yeah. But then my favorite is that at the end, by this time, they have their arms around each other. And then at the end, good night, everybody. And they each hold up on opposite sides. You guys, I got, I swear to God, when I watched my episode for, so I have not watched this since 1979. And Mm -hmm. I told you I got Husker Dude when I heard that song. And I couldn't have come up with that song on my own. But I know every single word. And I'm singing along. And they they end the song with, na, 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 na. Good night, everybody. And I just, like, nipple lightning. Total goosebumps. May tomorrow be a perfect day. May you find love and laughter along the way. May God keep you in his tender care. Till he brings us together again. Good night, everybody. So we each watched an episode for our homework this week, and we really want to take you guys um, listening through them quickly, hitting the highlights, because we think that there's a lot of you out there who might remember these exact episodes. Unfortunately, we are a little bit short on time, unless you guys want to hang around with us for another, I don't know, 45 minutes, hour. So I think what we might do is we might put these specific episodes over on our Patreon page for our patrons, um, and for all levels of our patrons, um, to listen to um, over there. Do you guys think that's a good idea? <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> awesome. You guys can't see it, but they're like throwing confetti and they're super excited. Yeah, so um, let's get on to um, another one of our very favorite segments in our episodes, and that is Carolyn's Rabbit Hole. <laughs> Right, you guys ready for a few interesting facts that I discovered? Some um, a little more entertaining than others, but one of the things that um, I found really sad was um, when Marie had shared in some interviews and in her book about life at the show and behind the scenes. The producers were not oh, very no. kind, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to Marie. And um, 
threatened her if she did not lose weight that <gasps> the show would be canceled. Oh my! And God. at that point, she weighed about 110 pounds, but they were absolutely clear that if she needed to lose 10, at least 10 pounds uh, to look better on camera. And um, one of the producers basically said to her, you know, you need to, you're going to be out of work because you just can't keep food out of your mouth. Jesus you guys, this Christ. is oh, the Karen Carpenter going through all of this. This is Yes, it is. Well, and she talks about that <clears throat> because she said – the- oh, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, she said at one point she had gotten down to 93 <gasps> pounds. Oh, God. And she was too weak from hung- hunger sometimes to even – do the da- the dance numbers on the show because you guys there were days they worked twenty yeah, hour well, days that is four hours not on the set like four hours to sleep I guess can you imagine wow. they had to memorize all that stuff so meanwhile she's not eating um, and she had a friend who was a model who taught her how to as she says in quotation marks eat without consequences and that is mm. when she went through several months of bulimia. Oh, where no. she, and that guess why she stopped? It was damaging her yeah. vocal cords, and so oh, sure. it was like not you know it was affecting the way she sang. So I just thought that was so so sad to know that she felt that pressure. And I guess her parent, nobody was standing up for her oh, and saying this isn't right. And then, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, you know some of that behind the scenes stuff with guest stars. She was put into some really awkward oh, I'm positions so that she felt really. I'm uncomfortable. so sad to know that, and she has no agency whatsoever. Right. She is because again, she's a well, child. She, she's a and woman. So that's when her parents. And, and her that's when her parents should have been stepping in and saying, right. she's only 110 pounds, she looks beautiful, um, or keep Groucho Marx away from my kid. And then you look at, you know, what is what are one of the things that Marie Osmond is known for now is her association with Jenny Craig and dieting and things like that. So her weight has gone up and down. And so it ju- you can see where somebody would have difficult, you're going to have food issues. Absolutely. If you right. And that's what she says. Like you don't that's come out when, of that unscathed. Right. But one of the things I think we, again, need to think about is that in the 70s, that was what the culture was. Like, even if this was happening, Olive and, and, um, you know, the family members probably didn't really think anything of it. We we didn't have Karen Carpenter's story yet, which um, Marie alludes to when she's talking about her issues with food. You know, it wasn't until um, that time when that made its... And that became public that she had even heard of those terms or knew that maybe what she was dealing with wasn't mm-hmm. normal. And what's interesting, um, the next fun fact um, um, that I'm going <laughs> to bring up is just call this facts. <laughs> just, just facts. the facts. Maybe. We'll end on some. Uh, yes, just the facts is right. Marie Osmond developed a really close relationship with Lucille Ball, which yeah. I thought was really cool after yeah. she had, um, you know, been on the show. And uh, Lucille Ball gave her a lot of advice. And sadly, I guess maybe it was all um, around how she could make herself look better. And she was telling Marie that you need to make sure that the cameras are always at this angle. Mm -hmm. Because at this angle, you'll look like you have a double chin. The lights should be here. You need to demand that, that the lighting is this way. Um, And she, Marie talks about um, when... Uh, Lucille Ball was on their show and she's in the hairstylist chair and the hairstylist put her hair in all these little braids all over the top of her head and then they pinned them and she said it looked really kind of painful 
but it it was like a natural <gasps> facelift. Then they put the wig on top of her head, and because they did all this, it like pulled oh, her skin no. back. That's and that was this like uh, natural. Why, why does an eighteen year old need a facelift? Well, I don't think she the eighteen year old. They did no, it to Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball. Oh, okay. yes. Sorry. Sorry. I'm like, sorry, wow. Sorry. But they did develop this cool friendship. They loved playing Scrabble together. Oh, that's cute. And um, yeah, isn't that kind of fun? So from that note, we've got a couple other. These are actually fun facts. Did you know in the uh, Marie's 18th birthday episode, they did a little switcheroo? Did you know this? Where she sang a little bit rock and roll and Donnie sang a little bit country. What did she sing? I don't remember. It was one of the ones I watched, though. It was cute. Well, Michelle, was that the episode where um, there was like a superhero kind of skit? I don't know if you watched the whole episode, but they talked about this one time where um, Donnie was Captain Purple. Marie was a character named Knitter Nellen. Okay, so G-N-I-D-D-E-R-N-E-L-E-N. What's that even mean? And that's Helen Reddy spelled backwards. I was like, I was trying to read backwards. I'm like, what is that? Okay. (laughs) When you said knitter, I thought she was like an old lady who knits. So that was kind of fun. That we have Olive to really thank for the Donnie and Marie dolls because Olive and Marie and Jimmy were in New York because Jimmy was going to be trying um, his hand at, on um, Broadway. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jimmy. No. Osmond lovers out so there. Be- we are not on board yeah. with that. Yeah. Oh. So, um, E for effort. Had- Olive had a little downtime, and she found out that Mattel was having a trade show nearby, wherever Jimmy was auditioning. And so she went, and she went up to someone there and said, I think you should think about putting um, Donnie and Marie's heads on Barbie bodies. And they thought that was a great idea, and that is how our Donnie and Marie dolls were born. And that's how we get – that's how the pink and purple Uh chiffon outfits become iconic. Yes, yes. And we'll – Go from there to just say, oh, my gosh, Donnie and Marie, when it comes to merchandise, oh, right. I'm not sure anyone can beat the merchandise that you could find Donnie and Marie on. We had, of course, the dolls, as we just said. We had record players. We had Donnie and Marie color forms, ladies and gentlemen. If anyone has any of those, those, they're mm-hmm. worth a lot of money. This one, I can't even. They had string puppets. Like, like oh, marionettes of Oh, yes, God, I, I don't, don't think want I want that either. That's for when Milton Berle is on the yeah. show. Or Edgar Bergen. I, I'm sorry, I just thought I'd that love to really see those, though. You know what? I'm going um, to Google some of these, and maybe we'll do um, what, maybe we'll do a, an Instagram post this week that's a slideshow or a reel that's all Donnie and Marie merch. Wouldn't that be kind of fun, you guys? Oh, yeah, that would be, because that's where I kind of um, saw some of this stuff. We had um, paper dolls, which I am actually the owner oh, of. Oh, I'm so jealous. Um, I want those. The, Donnie and Marie paper dolls. Uh, they were Halloween costumes, coloring books, a variety of lunch boxes. We had mm-hmm. more than just your tin. I'm pretty sure boxes. I had one. I had the vinyl one, I think. All these memories came flashing back when I saw this. We had a store called TGY, yeah. which was like a five and dime store. And there was like an aisle that would have kind of those plastic shrink wrapped kind of toys. Like you could maybe find, um, you know, some accessories for your baby doll, like a bottle or whatever. And they had this Donnie and Marie wristwatch and key set. And it was like fake keys. Like, you know, if you were going to play like house when you were little or you're going to pretend you had a car, it was like a little wallet with these like five or six 
silver plastic keys hanging off of it. So, and then they had Donnie and Marie's picture on the outside of this wallet. And then they had a wristwatch in there that had their picture on the face of the wristwatch. But I just remember having toys like that that made me feel like Mm -hmm. I was an adult. Like the wallet that had the like the fake driver's (laughs) license in it and the fake credit cards. That's so funny. We're playing house, so we're pretending we're adults, but we have a watch with Donnie and Marie on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, they put them on everything. So I also saw this vanity set. So there was a tray with Donnie and Marie's face on it, oh. um, a little jewelry oh. box with just Marie's. Then there was a brush and a comb and a mirror. And Donnie and Marie were on the back of the mirror that you could put on your what I always wanted was like a yeah, vanity. so did I. You know, like so a desk, but it was really for putting your with a makeup skirt, on. With like a fabric skirt that hung down. And Tiger Beat even published a magazine just called Donnie and Marie. So you said they had a column Mm -hmm. in the one issue of Tiger Beat. Then they went on to have actual, the magazine, a magazine that was just all Donnie and Marie stuff. Totally dedicated to them. I don't know that a whole lot of other people had that. Um, And lastly, while this wasn't a Donnie and Marie show fact, I did think it was interesting when I read that in the early 2000s, Donnie and David Cassidy had been in maybe talks of doing a show together, a TV oh, show. Oh, God, can you imagine? But that quickly fizzled hmm. and never happened. So I don't even know what the plot would have been, how cool oh my God, would it have been if it was these peed down two. their legs. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's too much. So I did think it's that that much. was all uh, some fun well, extra I, information. And I actually have a fun fact that I uncovered that I wanted to wait and see if you uncovered it. Um, do you guys remember the film okay. Going Coconuts from 1978? Oh, yes. you do? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, I wow. Do. Because it was a critical yes. and commercial mm-hmm. flop. But oh, good. I have the album. Yeah, it no, didn't I have last the album, the Going Coconuts album, I have right behind me. But anyway. Okay. Was it a film like yeah. at the theater? Yeah, or no, it went yes. to the theater. It was oh, in the yeah, theater. Yeah, yeah. So they went mm-hmm. to Hawaii and it was at they Roseville filmed Thor. Going Coconuts. Um, Donnie and Marie chose to film Going Coconuts instead of accepting roles in Greece. Oh, God, what? Greece. Oh, that's Which right. I just was being filmed at the Marie. same time. Marie was to play Sandy. Donnie was to be the teen angel. But they chose going coconuts out of belief no, no, that it sense. was more family friendly. Oh, the Marie But isn't that yeah. shocking? That's why Marie again. said she didn't want to be Sandy. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that fact. Excellent. She could oh, never be. There. Yeah. She could never be. A and that's why Sandy. she said she didn't take it. She mm-hmm. could not do the bad. What, what, yeah. well, she Carnival Sandy. Bad Sandy. And friends, yeah. if you want to know how we feel about Sandy, good and bad Sandy, mm-hmm. please listen to our episode. Yeah, it's our Olivia Newton John. Our Olivia Newton John episode is so good. But we, all but I know that was just a slip. They're not. We don't think they're good and bad. They're Cardigan and Carnival because Carnival Sandy's right, not bad. Exactly. I would say yeah. that in yeah. quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Although Marie yeah. thought she was. well, sadly, Donnie and Marie didn't last forever. Because in 1978, it was revealed that Donnie had a girlfriend. No, I'm sorry. Wait. So wait, 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 back up. A fiance, (laughs) because that's actually about how quickly we were all made aware of the fact that he was getting married to Donnie. I am showing right now a Tiger Beat magazine to, again, Debbie. 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 (laughs) To Donnie. Donnie to Donnie. Well, actually, he would (laughs) have liked that. Um, And maybe we will. Maybe we'll figure out by the time this episode airs how to put something on YouTube. Um, But I'm showing this Tiger Beat magazine that I have is from July of 1978. And it says right here, there's this picture. Can you guys see? And it's this picture. It's a poster? Yeah, it's a picture. And it says here, the Osmonds. Can you see on the bottom? 
The Osmonds mm-hmm. proudly announced yeah. the marriage of Donald Clark Osmond, 20, <gasps> to Deborah Glenn, 19, um, the brightest from Provo, blah, 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 blah. For more news on the engagement, see Donnie and Marie's column on page 90. Now, wait, did you just hear what I said? For no- more news on their engagement? But then the next sentence yeah, that's says, the entire, beat, the entire Tiger Beat staff congratulates Donnie and Marie and wishes them nothing but happiness in their married life. Because this was from July 1978. Donnie and Debbie announced their engagement on April 24th. Their wedding was May 8th. Whoa, you what? Carolyn's face, everyone. She's like, what? <laughs> because those of you who loved Donnie, like, like Carolyn and I did, do you remember being gobsmacked that he got married? We're not remembering that wrong, friends. They, it was like at the same time we learned, and apparently they'd been seeing each other <laughs> for two years, but they'd kept it kind of quiet. Yeah. Supervised, But I'm you sure. guys, they announced their engagement. It's basically in the same article. It's in the same issue. When you read the article on page 90, it's talking about how they got married. So it's all at once. Yeah. And she wasn't pregnant. Well, she couldn't have been. I mean, are we no. sure I mean, she wasn't pregnant? No, but. Well, the next Christmas special in 1979, she has baby Donald, but he is a pretty, he's a pretty small baby. So, you know, so a year and a half after they get married, she has baby Donald, who looks to be about four months old. Because I remember when we were talking about that Christmas special in our episode, we talk about how that baby looks about four months old. That means she got pregnant probably in the um, summer of 78. You know, we I forget how we 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 timed it. So they get if they got married, we in figured May, out when Debbie ovulated in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, I mean, we know how um, faithful Donnie and Marie right, and the right. Osmond families are to their that. faith. It, and if Donnie wanted to get some, he was probably gonna have to marry her. Oh, that, so oh, that's absolutely. perhaps 100%. why it was yeah. going. It yeah, happened so fast because he was like, I can't keep my. He head was straight. having an I, emergency. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> So oh, she was like, God. I'm good. So, well, I will never forget my um, my friend in seventh grade. That's where I was in seventh grade when Donnie got married. My friend Stephanie Reina, and we sat alphabetical order. So she sat behind me, R-E-I-C-H. She was R-E-Y-N-A. I mean, she was, we all knew her as the Donnie fan. Like she had these long fingernails. I was so envious of. They were always purple. She had like a Donnie Osmond notebook and binder and everything. She always wore purple socks. You would have thought that, I don't know, one of her parents had died. She oh cried oh. the whole school day. Oh, I don't, God. I don't think she got the news during the day, but I think, I'm sure her mother made her come to school. And I remember her sitting behind me at this desk with her head just down. I'm putting my head down. I'm like, <laughs> I could hear her, the whole class, oh. just sobbing, basically, and like those little hiccup cries. She, in I think school. She, in school. In she's school. Crying. In school. Wow. The whole day. I think she she thought she was going to be Mrs. Donny Osmond at some point. I, it was it she was That's relatable. Just, obviously I remember it so well. Yeah. She was just beside yeah. herself. Well, I will say they did not do that well. Because there <laughs> is an aspect of your crush finding love and having it rolled out in a way where you have a crush on the couple. You know, we've talked about that before, like where you actually, it, it is a, a way to examine how they are in love. And you're like, yes, I like that. This was not that. This was like, this was just too, too well, shocking Well, even his weird. dad said, you're, you're going to lose well, your career yeah, if yeah. you do this. Well, and, and his well, dad yeah, was right. Well, yeah, so basically yeah. 20-year-old Donnie marries 19-year-old Debbie. And very quickly, the Donnie and Marie 
show ratings dropped. I mean, it also aired at the same time as Wonder Woman. So that's a pretty unfair comp- competition. <laughs> but it's generally agreed upon yeah. that Donnie getting married sank the show. Wow. And he's 20 years old. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. amazing on so many different facets. But Yeah, they went on to keep performing, as we know, in family specials and a short-lived but fun talk show in the late 90s. I remember watching that and being really excited when that came back on. Uh, And, of course, their 11-year Las Vegas residency that I did not ever get to see. Oops. But I'm not bitter about that Mm. at all. And um, we are hopefully maybe, maybe February is a good time. We, we want to go to Vegas and see Donnie at least, um, just for a quick, a quick weekend. Um, and then they still today at age 64 and 62, they're still performing. They have such love and respect for each other. They're very cute when they're together on stage. They still have that chemistry. Um, you know, we should all be so lucky mm-hmm. to have that relationship with your sibling for it's that true. long. Mm-hmm. And that could be one reason that we really liked it is because these people did, they weren't unnatural siblings because they they would you know throw pot shots at each other and there was a little rivalry and and yet at the same time they really loved each other and i think people really responded right that's yeah i that's Mm -hmm. what um i think that's exactly what drew us into their show and their family it was that love and Mm -hmm. respect and sure they were often ridiculed for their squeaky clean and their wholesome image but isn't that the entertainment that we loved in the 70s and kind of that we're craving again today so Yeah. So I encourage all of you listening to go to YouTube and watch a few episodes of Donnie and Marie. And I want to close this episode with the same wish Donnie and Marie gave us each Friday night all those years ago. May tomorrow be a perfect day. May you find love and laughter along the way. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night, everybody. Oh, gosh, you guys, that was so fun to take that walk down memory lane. If you like what you hear, and we hope that you do, because we sure like talking about it, please share this podcast with others. And thank you to those of you who click those stars and leave reviews. We read each and every one of them. We even print them out. They mean so much to us. And for more fun facts, links, and things we uncover about each week's episode, plus links to fun Gen X-related stuff, random things the three of us are reading and watching, make sure you're subscribed to our weekly reader newsletter, which is delivered straight to your inbox each Friday morning. There's a subscription link in the show notes, or just visit our website at poppreservationists.com. Yeah, and for those of you new to the class, did you know we have a fabulously fun social media page Um, we actually have more than one page. We have several pages where we post daily Gen X memories. You just have to search Pop Culture Preservation Society on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Yes, even TikTok. Um, And a very special thank you goes out to our supporters on Patreon, who quite literally keep this whole thing trucking. We just love giving our patrons fun extras, meeting with you on Zoom, sending you goodies, all sorts of fun stuff. So check out our Patreon page, at patreon.com if you'd like to consider taking your support to the next level. And today we are giving a special shout out to Cheryl, Cheryl, Christina, Christina, Colleen, and Colleen. Honestly, you guys, I was just, listen to this. I was just going down the list of our patrons and I was like, what? I was like, how is this possible? And then I realized they're listed alphabetically. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but so, but I wanted, I don't want to just say Cheryl once and then all the, you know, the, the two or three Cheryl's out there going, oh, I wonder if that's me. No, 
Cheryl, Cheryl, Christina, Christina, Colleen, and Colleen. Yeah, so thank you so much for supporting us. Um, We really appreciate it. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. 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 The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Love and it will keep moving on Something always happens when